the Jewish views on the Golders Green Mosque. Over 6,000 people sign a petition against it, but what are the real concerns? So they call you Pisha. Author Michael Rosen tells us about his latest book. And the School Awards 2018. We speak to pages ahead of determining who stands out in the world of Jewish education. First, with a roundup of the Jewish news this week, I'm John Kay. Thousands of people have signed an online petition protesting against plans to turn the old Golders Green Hippodrome into a mosque. The petitioners, who are asked to say whether they either live, work or study in the area, but are not asked to provide proof, claim the new Islamic religious centre will cause disruption, citing traffic and pollution problems. The complainants, writing under the banner of Golders Green together, say they wish to restore the charm, harmony and safety of their family neighbourhood. The Grade 2 listed building on North End Road was bought earlier this year for more than £5 million by the Centre for Islamic Enlightening. It'll house a mosque and Islamic centre and serve the Shia community. Broadcaster Andrew Neal has warned that rising anti-Semitism on the left is more dangerous than on the right, as he issued a scathing condemnation of former London Mayor Ken Livingstone. The presenter of BBC Television's This Week told the Holocaust Educational Trust dinner that knuckle-draggers and Holocaust deniers were more marginalised than when he was growing up. But the changing face of anti-Semitism meant the charity's work is more crucial than ever. He said it's possible to get away with left-wing prejudice in a way that would never be tolerated when emanating from the right. But he didn't only have words for politicians on the left. The legendary journalist also took aim at Donald Trump, whose reaction to displays of hate in Charlottesville he described as shaming America. Britain has confirmed its continued commitment to membership of UNESCO after the US announced it was withdrawing from the United Nations cultural body. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson gave formal notification of the U.S. withdrawal on the grounds of continuing anti-Israel bias and mounting arrears. A Downing Street spokesman said the government's committed to continued U.K. membership of UNESCO and to work with other member states in support of its important work. The Trump administration and Israel have voiced concern over a series of UNESCO decisions, including the listing of the city of Hebron as a Palestinian World Heritage Site. Jerusalem's long-lost Roman theatre has been discovered near the Western Wall in tunnels underneath the old city. Archaeologists at the Israel Antiquities Authority, who were working at the site near Wilson's Arch, uncovered the structure during excavations, revealing eight previously unknown layers of Western Wall stones. Among the finds were the Roman theatre that had laid hidden for 1,700 years at the northern end of the Kotel. Well, that's the news. Here's the sport from Andrew Sherwood. Thanks, John. Israel's Judo Association has told Jewish News it will send athletes to a tournament in Abu Dhabi this month, despite being told its athletes won't be able to compete with the national flag on their uniform. A spokesman said, There are people who want to harm our chances of reaching the 2020 Olympics. 
We want our athletes to reach Tokyo, and in order to do this, they need to compete at this tournament. Elsewhere, Alon Day claimed an historic win at the weekend after he became the first Jewish and Israeli driver to win a NASCAR Euro Series title. The 26-year-old was a consistent performer over the season, claiming four wins, and said, "It's such an amazing feeling." And finally. Boxer Tony Milch has vowed to bounce back after he suffered the first defeat of his professional career. Stopped in the fifth round by Matt McCarthy in their Southern Area Super Welterweight Title Showdown, he said, "It wasn't my night. The best guy won, but I wasn't hurt. I feel strong and will be back." Remember, you can catch up on all the latest Jewish sport at JewishNews.co.uk. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Jewish Views. I'm Phil Dave, and let me start off by saying how fantastic it is to have John Kay back with us. Thank you very much to him for reading the news for us for this week. Let us start off this episode, though, as we always do, with a look through your copy of the Jewish News for this week. And joining me to go through it is features editor Fran Wolfish and online editor Jack Mendel. Welcome to you both. And having a glance at the front page, the headline: "The Shameful Agenda of Hippodrome Hypocrites." What's this about? Yes, well, it's a bit of a controversial story, really. Almost six thousand people, which is a considerable number, have signed a petition against plans to turn the former Golders Green Hippodrome, which was known to many as the old BBC Concert Hall, into a mosque ahead of a protest meeting next week. Now, the petitioners claim that the new centre would actually cause disruption. They're citing traffic and pollution problems. Now, as residents who live around that area, I can see, you know. They have the right to object, as they do with any planning applications that have to go through the council. However, there does seem to be another edge to this story. Some Jewish newsreaders have actually expressed a bit of disquiet about the idea of having a Shia religious center in an area that has a very large Jewish population. One resident who wanted to remain anonymous, for example, said, "We want a cultural center for all, not just them." So there has been a, another edge to this story, and in fact, the front page of this week's Jewish News is the voice. Of the Jewish news, where we sort of question really whether some of these concerns are actually legitimate. Well, I think that one has to look at this from as many sides as possible, and say that you do kind of understand why people would question in the most densely Jewish populated area of Northwest London would a new Islamic centre open when, at the same time, you could argue that could actually help build bridges between the communities. So. Who knows what's right and what's wrong about this? It just does seem a bit of a delicate subject, doesn't it, Jack? Yes, very much so. It is a, a delicate subject. But if you look at the campaign, which has driven this petition, which has so far garnered six thousand signatures, the campaign's name is Golders Green Together. You may have heard that before. A couple of years ago, when neo-Nazis planned to march in Golders Green, the counter campaign was called Golders Green Together. It's a very controversial issue because there are no doubt legitimate concerns, parking and pollution, and traffic. But I think that there's also underlying political motivations which really make this quite a difficult subject to talk about. Let's have a look at some of the other stories making the paper this week, and a headline that rather provocatively reads. Anne Frank outfit withdrawn. Sorry, what's an Anne Frank outfit? 
actually, Phil, the first time I saw this story this week, I had massive deja vu. I thought, have I not seen this before? Have I not heard of this before? Yes, I did. I wasn't going mad. Two years ago, very similar situation, a costume for girls of an evacuee's outfit was put on eBay and it was labelled as an Anne Frank outfit. Two years later, HalloweenCostumes.com are selling an evacuee's costume for girls, but they've labelled it as the Anne Frank costume for girls. Now, the label is offensive. The outfit itself, obviously, would work quite nicely as a fancy dress costume, but why label it as the Anne Frank costume? It's obviously offensive. HalloweenCostumes.com have removed the product and they've apologised for any offence caused. But still, it makes me question, why do they do it? You wouldn't put striped pyjamas on, would you, and, and on, on for sale and then say, this is the concentration camp outfit. It's obviously going to be offensive. Well, you see, the thing for me, Jack, that strikes me as most peculiar about this full stop, regardless if it's HalloweenCostumes.com, whatever it is, is the fact that it is named Anne Frank Costume for Girls and yet just doesn't have anything to do with Anne Frank. It doesn't look anything like her. So why? I don't get it. I don't get it either. Halloweencostumes.com. I wouldn't want to suggest for a minute that they've done this deliberately, but they can't really be complaining about the extra publicity that they're going to get. Well, quite. I mean, who says that no publicity is good publicity or whatever the expression is? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these companies will have departments dedicated to, you know, choosing names and choosing products. And, you know, it's unbelievable that something like this could slip through. Mm. OK, well, anyway, let's have a look at some of the other news. And I believe that Daniel Radcliffe is in the paper this week as well, Fran. Why? Yes, he is starring in the new film called Jungle, which came out on Friday. And it's based on the real life incredible survival story of an Israeli backpacker named Yossi Ginsberg, fresh out of his military service with the Israeli Navy. He decided to go backpacking to South America and he was in search of an adventure and boy did he get that. He ended up being sort of led into the Amazon jungle by an Austrian man who claimed that he could lead this little group of the four of them to lost tribes and a river you know filled with gold i mean who wouldn't want to go on an adventure like that unfortunately things obviously go wrong and yossi ends up getting divided from the rest of the group and actually had to spend 20 days in the amazon jungle by himself with no food no water and nothing to defend himself against jaguars and boars and all the other wild animals out there he was sort of on the brink of starvation he was attacked by red ants he almost drowned he sank into a bog twice he had to forage for food he even had to remove a parasitic worm in uh, one of the more disgusting scenes from the film but it is actually all true and it's an incredible survival story and yes he does obviously get rescued because that's how we've managed to hear about this story so go out and see it excellent and what page will that be on if people want to read that yeah my interview with yossi ginsberg is on page 23 Lovely. Thank you both very much indeed. Well, let's carry on a look even further into the paper this week as now we have a little look as uh, you two say farewell, by the way. We make way for Mark, who joins us now. Mark Jacobs. Hello there. Hi. To tell us about the supplement this week, which seems to be absolutely enormous because you've got a Simcha's Live exhibition on. That's right. On Sunday, the 22nd of October, 11am to 4pm. 
And what are people going to see if they do come along? Because if it's anything to go from the previous ones, I'm guessing rather a lot. Exactly. People are going to see the function band who are going to be playing on the hour, every hour. Crumbs, they're going to be shattered. I know, I know. <laughs> That's what they want to do. And we've also got sushi supplied by salt caterers. And I'm loving the fact that you have to sort of highlight the food bits because, you know, otherwise we're just not going to lure them in, are we? So I'm guessing that if sushi is on the offering, people are going to come along. And this, is that sort of for people to sample, is it? Of course, people to sample. We're also going to have lots of different and all new ideas also at the show. So again, if you're planning your bar mitzvah, wedding or bat mitzvah, there's a lot of people there for you to meet. Excellent. So in a nutshell, this is for those who are planning Simcha who maybe don't have endless ideas. They will find endless ideas if they come along. Sunday 22nd of October, and you say it's at the Village Hotel in Elstree. That's correct. From 11 till 4, free entry, free car parking, and we hope to see you on the day. Wonderful. Mark, thank you very much indeed for that. That really is all we've got time for a look at the paper for this week. And don't forget that you can pick up your copy of The Jewish News every Thursday across London, or you can read the e-paper online at jewishnews.co.uk. As you've been hearing, plans to convert the Golders Green Hippodrome to a mosque and Islamic centre have been met with determinable resistance. Over 6,000 people are known to have signed a petition against the proposal, with many citing Islamophobia as the main motivation behind it. Well, Marie van der Zeel, Vice President of the Board of Deputies, has been working closely with the Husseiniyat al-Razul al-Adam Community Centre and joins me on the line now to discuss this further. Marie, can we start off with what exactly the Board has been doing to try and combat some of this so-called resistance? What we've been doing in the last few days is to try to enter into a constructive dialogue, which I think that we, we have... And I've issued a joint statement which makes it absolutely clear that we want to have a constructive dialogue and we want the community to work together with the Jewish community and they want to be really, really good neighbours. And this is something that we have to take forward. There has been a lot of resistance. I think there's over 6,000 objections to the planning application. And with education, with understanding, getting to know each other, I'm really hoping that now things will be able to move forwards and all this furor will actually lead to an increased understanding. Well, I suppose that there's one thing that strikes me as quite unusual about this, several things that strike me as unusual. One thing in particular is that we are talking about the moving not the creation, let's stress that, that this particular Islamic centre was established in 1986, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. But, however, this is them moving to a new location, but rather than local synagogues dialogue, as it were, or interact with them, it's fallen on your shoulders as Vice President of the Board of Deputies. Why has it been elevated to such a level? Well, firstly, when you said it's a new location, just to get this in perspective... Their local community is the whole of northwest London, and they've actually only moved from Cricklewood, Cricklewood Lane. Local synagogues, I think Aleph, have been to see the centre, and it's it's escalated because there's there's been so much resistance, concern, and it's about it's about leadership, it's about Jewish leadership, trying to establish relationships 
and interfaith dialogue to go forward. If it's fallen on, on our shoulders, that's what we're there for. We're here to serve the community. And I particularly am here to serve the community. And interfaith relations is part of my role as well as dealing with anti-Semitism. It's about building bridges. But I suppose the comparison is that you don't necessarily see the Muslim Council of Great Britain getting involved when, say, a new synagogue opens up in an area that might have a lot of Muslims. Do you see what I mean? That's how one could be forgiven for thinking that there is something amiss with this particular setup and plan because Board of Deputies has got involved. I think that this issue is more of an issue for our community than it is for their community. They've said to me that they're very confident about how they are. They're very peaceful people. They want to be good neighbours. And they, they, can, they can see the division comes from, from, from the Jewish end. They don't, they don't feel in that way. But over 6,000 people can't be wrong, can they? Look, I understand that some people have got concerns about anti-Semitism and extremism. I just want to say that the Board of Deputies, for those people listening, has not entered into dialogue naively. We've consulted a number of experts in the Jewish community and beyond. This organisation, as far as we know, has got no history of political activity, hate preaching or supporting any extremist or anti-Semitic causes. In fact, their spiritual leader... Mohammed al-Shirazi, who is an Iranian cleric who died 16 years ago, he was under house arrest by the Iranian regime, and they're regarded as opponents of the Iranian regime. So just because they're Muslim, there's no evidence that there is any anti-Semitism or hate that's come from them. That needs to be understood. Yeah, but at the same time, you said earlier on that this is a community that is based throughout northwest London. And bearing in mind that Golders Green is probably the most densely populated Jewish area in northwest London, it does seem to quite a few, certainly those I've spoken to, an unusual choice to choose Golders Green as the new location for this. Look, the building was for sale. <laughs> It was a suitably sized building and their community is in northwest London. We wouldn't have this situation or we didn't when it was a church. It was for sale. They bought it. What would you say your experience was when you went there? Because I know that you've actually been to the centre. And what did you experience when you were there? My experience was that they really are sincere. A young person who it's not fair to, to name said that he, he at night, he's out speaking to people. They do security. They want to help with the traffic problems. They're really anxious to you know, make a good impression and, you know, work well with other Jewish communities. And there's mentioned that there's some other Iraqi synagogues close by. They see us as, they said, friends and neighbors. And they feel that if, education, understanding, working together on interfaith issues, that they will, they will be understood and that it's more of an issue for the Jewish community than theirs. But as far as why there, why that location, the building was for sale and their community is northwest London. They've only moved down the road. And hopefully that on a, a flip note, hopefully this will go some way to maybe even building relations between the two communities. I, I think that, that people will build relations. As I said, I think that the rabbis from Alias have been to visit and I don't see any reason why there shouldn't be positive relations. There have been no issues that I'm aware of when they've been in Cricklewood Lane 
And this is also their community in northwest London. It's not the exclusive domains of Jews. And I think we need to get away from thinking about ghettos. That's not what it's about. But some of the rhetoric that has been used has been very, very concerning. This, this community does not have any known history of hate or anti-Semitism. They've come across as really sincere, peaceful people who want to build bridges and understanding with the Jewish community, and in particular, the local Jewish community. It's interesting that you mentioned about the rhetoric that's come from some of the community in regards to this new Islamic center, bearing in mind, obviously, that how persecuted Jews have been over the ages. It does seem slightly unpalatable that we could be the perpetrators of hatred ourselves. There's no excuse for bigotry and racism. I think many of the comments are deplorable. And I've also had some racist comments from members of the community and abusive comments directed at me for my stance on this as well, which I find really disappointing. Well, I'm not surprised. That seems extraordinary that someone would aim it at someone at the Board of Deputies, I'm sure. Well, look, I suppose that this is one of those situations where we have to wait and see. It might even be that next week we talk about something else and that absolutely nothing more will arise out of this. But what would you like to see moving forward in terms of relations between the new Muslim Golders Green Centre and also existing Jewish ones? I, I think that the planning permission is going to be granted and everybody needs to take a pause, take a deep breath. I think dialogue will help, understanding will help. And we will build bridges with the Muslim community, our friends and neighbours, in the same way that we have with our Christian neighbours and neighbours from people of all faiths. We need to live together side by side as responsible citizens, understanding each other's cultures and diversity. It's something to celebrate, not something to feel frightened about. This is one of the wonderful reasons why we live in the UK. But we all have a shared responsibility and we all need to act responsibly and we need to show leadership in part of that dialogue and that we all work together to restore calm and understanding. Marie van der Zyl, Vice President of the Board of Deputies, thank you very much indeed. I would like to stress at this stage that we did invite a representative from the Husniyat al-Rasul al-Adam Community Centre in Golders Green. However, they were unavailable to join us on this particular episode of The Jewish Views, but that invitation very much still stands for any future episodes. In their absence, I would like to read out a statement from Ahmed al-Kazemi, who's the public relations manager of the centre, and he has said that the Husayat al-Razul al-Adam greatly appreciate that the Board of Deputies of British Jews has reached out to our community to discuss local concerns about our planning application. As we have explained in our dialogue with Board Vice President Marie van der Zeel, we look forward to playing our part in Golders Green's diverse community, and we will always act as considerate neighbours and sincere friends towards the Jewish and other residents of this area.
With this in mind, we would welcome dialogue with local residents about any concerns they have. For example, we are aware of some concerns regarding parking. To address this, we have already begun a campaign to encourage our community members to use public transport, with printed information about bus and tube routes, and incentives for those who do not use public transport instead of driving. We are also asking the council to tighten local parking restrictions so that street parking is reserved for local Local residents for longer hours, and we are seeking council permission to install bicycle racks as well. Husseiniat Al Rasul Al Adam will never tolerate any form of hate speech on our premises, and we stand completely opposed to and will firmly address extremism, anti-Semitism, and all forms of hatred through education and bridge building. We regard Jews and Christians alike as our friends. We are grateful to the Board of Deputies and the many others in the Jewish community for their record in combating all forms of racism, including anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim hatred. So there you go. That is the statement from Ahmed Al Kazemi, the public relations manager of the Husseiniyat Al Rasul Al Adam Mosque and Islamic Centre in Golders Green. You're listening to The Jewish Views in association with The Jewish News and still to come on this edition. Clive Roslin will be here for our Jewish schmooze. Today, Clive and Harley will be joined by Education Coordinator for West London Synagogue, Jane Goff, and the voice that is Mr. Jeremy Jacobs. They'll be discussing what you've just been hearing about, the proposed new mosque in Golders Green. Plus, community editor Diana Toman will be speaking to Marnie Levy and Samantha Benson of Pages about their 2018, yes, I know it does sound like a long way off, but believe me, it's not, 2018 Jewish School Awards. But first, when you hear the name Michael Rosen, what do you think of? Maybe you think of former children's laureate, perhaps you think of the countless books that he has written Well, he's just written another book, and our very own arts editor Kate Fulton has gone along to find out more from the man himself. Kate. That's right, Phil. I'm in a cafe in Muswell Hill with a famous writer, children's writer and poet, Michael Rosen. And we tend to think of you as a a children's writer, but but you've just given birth to a new book. Yes, it's a kind of memoir, really. It's called So They Call You Pisher. And it's a memoir of the first 23 years of my life, but also the 100 years before it and various things I discovered. Pisher. Pisher is a rude word, though. Pisher's like someone who pees or like a little schnip. Who calls who Pisher? Well, I knew it to mean literally someone who pees, but, of course, it, metaphorically it just means a nothing, a nudnik, a nobody. And so the phrase meant, as far as my father was concerned, is what's the worst thing that could happen to you? They could call you Pisher. So it's a bit like sticks and stones will break my bones, names will never harm me. It's the same idea, and it was quite a protective thing for my dad to say. I could say, oh, I don't, I don't want to go for the audition for the school play, and he'd say, so they call you Pisher. What's the worst that could happen to you? Because it looks as if someone was being mean to you, maybe, and trying to call you that, but, but that's not the case. No, it's, it's more like, what's the worst thing? You know, yeah. you could, someone could call you a bad name, and you're stronger than that. You see, it's a way of saying... Be strong. People might call you bad names, but you're stronger than that. There's an irony in it in the book, because, like a lot of Jewish people that who went through 1930s and 40s, then there were a lot of losses, so there were worse things than being called a pisher. What made you want to write this book now? What happened now? One reason is really rather ordinary and dull. That's to say, a person at the publishers, a man by the name of Leo, Leo Hollis, 
he approached me and said, what, would you like to write a book? And I had a whole set of fancy ideas for books, and we got to the end of it, and he said, have you ever thought of writing you know, about your own life? And I said, well, that's what I do anyway in my poems and stories. And he said, no, 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 I meant for adults, and like pulling it all together. And I went, well, as it happens, I was thinking, and so then it developed. So that took place in a cafe, just as we are now, in a cafe in Soho. So it sounds as if I'm spending the whole of my life in, in cafes, isn't it? So, yes, it, uh, a cafe in Soho uh, was the, the birth of the book. So what are some of the biggest moments that you write about in your book? How does it develop? Biggest moments in my own life, I guess, was one was the discovery that my brother and I had a brother who died, who, who was between us, and for various reasons that I can't fully explain, Mum never, ever, ever, ever said anything about it. I mean, this was her baby who died when he was about 18 months to two years old. And the only way we found out was because we were going through some old photographs. And I said to my dad, who's that? Is that me or my brother, Brian? And he said, it's neither of you, it's Alan. He died. And it was like a sort of, you know, when you're like 10 or 11 and somebody says something like to you, you, you can't handle it you can't process it I somehow thought I was to blame I remember sitting there sort of feeling a little bit kind of ashamed that I'd asked him and he only he hardly ever referred to it for the rest of my life I think the main time he referred to it was when I lost my own son so it's kind of a that was a sort of mystery that it was an absence that hung over I would sometimes think about and sort of feel that it was mysterious and also forbidden because you couldn't talk about it because mum didn't as it were allow it I mean, she never said you can't, but by her silence, it was like one of those things that, that that became clear. That was one quite big thing, if you like. How did that affect your relationship or your with your brother and you growing up? Did that change you? Well, I think my brother was very protective towards me. My brother, I always, I mean, part serious and part true, I always say I had three parents. My mum, my dad and my brother. And I mean that quite straight. He did an enormous amount of bringing up. He's four years older than me. And he felt that like he had to sort of process everything for me. So it was like, you know when these birds, like gannets, they kind of process the food for their young and then sort of, sounds revolting, doesn't it? And then sort of gob it into the mouths of their young. Well, it's sort of, it was a bit like that, really. He like processed school or bullying or dangerous places. And he like kind of, did it all before me so like going to secondary school well for four years you see before I got there he was telling me about school all the pitfalls all the teachers who are bad all the teachers that you want to get in with watch out for bullies and he would like to do it but he would do it as like a funny show I mean he was in his own way like a kind of a bit like an actor who like you know never gets the part so instead he just does it in private so he would act out. Is that how your storytelling came about? Because I was watching you on a YouTube and I just thought, I've never seen such a mobile storyteller and so alive. It was someone, it was when your parents were about to come back, the, the babysitting one. I was sitting on the edge of my seat and I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a kid. It was brilliant. I loved that one. I'd say yes. I mean, more than anything, it comes from my brother who would act out being my dad or act out the PE teacher who was quite funny in some ways and quite terrifying in others. He was, he was a Swiss migrant and he was of the hard school. So he used to like send us out on these cross-country runs in the freezing snow, but he didn't go running. He would drive past in his little car and stick the megaphone out the window and go, pick up the great flat feet, lady, pick up the great flat feet. So I knew this bloke before I ever met him. My brother would sit in the bedroom going, pick up the great flat feet. 
And so when I arrived at the school, he was just funny. Everyone else was terrified of him, but I just, I could already do my brother doing this chap, who we called Hoppy, which is quite funny. His name was Hauptreif in German, but we called him Hoppy, and it was quite funny because he, he was so old that he couldn't really walk very well anyway, so it kind of worked as a nickname. So, yeah, all that kind of a thing, he did that for me. Did you have a, quite a political uh, background? Were, were your parents quite, um, quite politically involved? Yes, my parents had joined the Communist Party in the 1930s when there was a lot of anti-Semitism in the East End of London and all over, in fact. There was a man called Oswald Mosley that older listeners will know of who led the British Union of Fascists who targeted Jews very quite specifically, talked about the scourge of Jew landlords. He stole slogans from Hitler, like Hitler talked about Germany, wake up. You know, that was one of Hitler's slogans. He stole that. And he tried to march through the East End of London, which one little corner of the East End of London was almost a 90, 95% Jewish quarter. And his aim was to walk through it, strut through with his uniformed thugs and sort of say, well, we're in charge. And the East End rose up and, and Jewish people, as well as dockers who weren't Jewish and all sorts of people came and stopped it happening. And that radicalised my parents. They were only 16, 17 at the time. So they joined the Communist Party, which they felt at the time offered them two things. It offered them a defence against the Nazis, but also a universalistic view of how the world could be a better place. They found out that that didn't work out in the way that they hoped, and they left by 1957. So, But the period, my first 10 or 11 years of my life, was very much seeing my parents as being part of this thing that they hoped would bring about a better life, and then their disillusionment and sadness that it hadn't. So your book is, is a memoir, it's not good, it's not, it has funny bits but also quite serious bits. Is there anything particularly you would like people to take away from it when they read about it, about your life, about you? I guess I have a way of looking at the world that is kind of slightly ironic and slightly absurd, so that I, I, I kind of think that the way we, we get through and we enjoy ourselves is to find these quirks, these oddities, I and mean, you see stand-up comedians do it all the time, and in a way, I like the idea that you can write like that. You can write in a way that shows the oddities. So, I don't know, take this as one example, that the coronation in this country, when Queen Elizabeth was coronated, when she was crowned, it's often when the people get on the news and so on, they talk about it as if the whole nation was united and the whole nation bought a television and the whole nation went and watched the Queen being crowned. Well, I came from a home that wasn't interested in royalty. They were anti-royalists, they were republicans. And so... My parents said, well, we don't want to have anything to do with that, so let's go on a punt, right, and go camping. So we escaped the coronation. Well, that was the idea, but then on a day that my parents didn't think was in any way significant, my dad and his friends said, hey, why don't we just nip to the pub and get some beer and bring back some beer for the, to the camp, you see? So the relevant mum said, OK, the boys, meaning them, they can go off. So they went off, and when they came back, their faces were like ashen as if the whole purpose of the holiday was completely ruined. What had happened was that when it, just as they got to this pub in Wallingford, they opened the door and everybody turned around and went, shh, shh, because at that very moment was when the crown was going. So the whole purpose of the week was lost, was ruined. Well, I look at something like that and it's like I can remember their deadly seriousness, but of course it's, it's like kind of, it's just a joke, isn't it? I mean, it's like, it's a bit like Curb Your Enthusiasm, isn't it? It's a sort of thing that Larry David, that he would go out on an extreme, but somehow or other he'd end up mainstream, or vice versa. 
you'd like aim to be mainstream and end up out on a, on a limb. So in a way, that's the kind of tone of the book. Sounds like a truly fascinating life. Thank you very much indeed to Michael Rosen there talking to arts editor Kate Fulton. And if you would like more information on So They Call You Pisher, then you can always go to our website, which is jewishviews.co.uk. You're listening to The Jewish Views in association with The Jewish News. And still to come on this edition, Clive Rosen will be here in just a moment for our Jewish schmooze. Don't forget, we live stream The Schmooze every Thursday evening from 7pm British Summertime. And if you would like to watch and comment along as the discussion unfolds, then simply go to facebook.com forward slash The Jewish Views. Or, of course, if you would like to get involved in another way, then you can always email studio at jewishviews.co.uk and you can also find us on Twitter at JewishViewsUK. And of course, all of those details can be found on our website, JewishViews.co.uk. Now, there are some occurrences that happen year after year in the Jewish community, and they almost seem to be markers, don't they, as to how the year is progressing. Well, yet another one has come about. It's time to start talking about what has become a firm fixture in the calendar, the Jewish School Awards that's from Pages and the Jewish News, respectively. Well, community editor Diana Toman has gone along to find out more about this year's ceremony and what we can expect from it. Diana! Hi, Phil. I'm in the offices of Pages in Hendon with Marnie Levy, who is the fundraising and communications manager, and Samantha Benson, who is director of education. Marnie, what we're actually talking about is the 2018 Awards for Excellence in Primary and Secondary School Am I right in thinking that this will be the third set of awards? Correct. This will be the third Jewish School Awards. Tell me a little bit more about anybody who doesn't actually know what the awards are for. Can you just explain fairly briefly what they're about? The awards is has turned into an annual event for the schools in which we celebrate the achievements of teachers in various different categories. And it's really an opportunity to recognise the teachers' hard work and see what the past winners have done with their money and celebrate the schools. And Samantha, am I right in thinking that the number of schools and the number of nominations goes up every year? Yes, absolutely. In the first year, obviously, it was something completely new. Last year, we had far more nominations and far more schools taking part than the previous year. And this year, even though nominations have not yet closed, we've already gone, I think, quite far beyond the number of nominations that we had last year. Schools now know that it's that it's coming and they look forward to it. And I think they are now aware of sharing it with parents and amongst other members of staff and the community. Now, is this just... UK-wide or is it just in the south of the country? It's UK-wide, so it's all all the Jewish schools, open to all Jewish schools in the UK. So that is the schools in London, Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, Glasgow, Birmingham. Now, last year, and I'm talking about 2017, there were 130 schools. And the year before that, there were 125. Are we going to run out of schools eventually? Well, because each year we're changing the category, it's about the category 
of each award. And so, for example, in this is the third year. We've not yet repeated a category. So, for example, in the, the first year, the award was, there was an award for the head teacher of a primary and a secondary school. Last year, it was for a deputy head teacher of a primary and secondary school. And this year, there's, there's actually, we, we haven't gone specifically for a head teacher or, or a deputy head teacher. So I don't think we would... I don't think we would run out of schools because obviously you've all you've got constantly you've got new teachers joining schools and you know there are all sorts of categories and it would be I think obviously what we could then do is possibly when we get into our fourth years go back to some of the categories that we had in the first year we didn't want to do the same category every year because we want to avoid the same teachers being given the award year after year exactly I think as well, just to add on to what Samantha has said, is new students come along and students take great pride in nominating their teachers. We've had some beautiful nominations that have come through from students in the past praising their teachers' efforts. They want to see their teachers win. It's exciting for them and their school to be on the front page of the Jewish news and they love it. And every single year, new students are coming through and going through the year levels. Primary kids are nominating, secondary kids are nominating, and I don't think there's a time limit to how long it can go on for. As Samantha said, teachers move on, teachers come, teachers go. We've had awards for emerging teachers. Maybe in the future we'll have a long service teaching. We have a non-teaching awards that's going out this year for administration and office managers and canteen people working in the food room. Could we just concentrate on what they, what the award consists of? I, I noticed that... Last year was, I think it was five thousand pounds, and the year before was only one thousand pound to pursue a project of their own. Each winner's school was. It's five thousand pounds is for the winner, and then each runner-up gets a thousand pounds. And the idea is that the person who has won the award chooses how to spend it within their school for the advancement of something, or betterment of something within their school, and often it will be related to their specific area. And presumably, if the amount keeps going up each year and the number of schools go up each year, you're going to be, have a problem with funding that? No, because we get we have amazing sponsors that give generously every year, and that is covered, but the amount of awards will likely to stay at for each year, one for primary and one for secondary, so that brings a total to eight. But the number of schools doesn't impact how many, if there's sponsorship money, because we still limit to having three people nominated for each award, two runners-up and one winner. And this will, the award ceremony will be as it was this year, in February next year? It will take place on the 31st of January 2018 at JW3. Ah, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed there to Marnie Levy and Samantha Benson, who were talking to community editor Diana Toman there about the Pages 2018 School Awards. Now, if you are sitting at home and thinking, well, hang on a second, it's still very much 2017. Why are we talking about the 2018 awards ceremony? Well, it's very simple. Nominations will close on the 20th of October. So you have a very limited time to get your nominations in. And if you would like to make sure that your 
favorite teacher or indeed member of staff who works at a Jewish school gets recognized in the way they deserve to, then please do go to our website, jewishviews.co.uk, where you will find a link to all the information you need on how to go about nominating. And I think it's at this stage that I should declare that I have a slight bias in the form of my sister, who is a primary school teacher at Sinai. But if she wins, it's sheer coincidence. You're listening to The Jewish Views, and this is The Jewish Moves, the part of the show where studio guests join me, Clive Rosnin, to discuss matters that you've been hearing throughout the programme so far. And joining Harley Baptiste and me today are Education Coordinator for West London Synagogue, Jane Goff, and Corporate Presenter, Jeremy Jacobs, or as we call him, The Voice. The subject for this edition is based on what we've already heard quite a bit about, the plans for a new mosque and Islamic centre in Golders Green and the reaction to it. The question is, is the resistance to these plans viable or is the community and others who object being short-sighted? Jeremy, let's start with you. Do you believe that there is something to be said about bringing the two communities closer together by opening an Islamic centre in Golders Green. Yes, in a word, uh, I don't see I don't see a problem with that. I think there's been a lot of much ado about nothing. I think it's going to be a relatively small mosque and centre. I think it caters to the slightly smaller Shia community of, of, of Muslims in this country, and uh, it'll be one of many throughout the country. I, I don't see it as a problem. But apparently, not the not the board of deputies, but uh, a number of Jews living in Golders Green are complaining about it. What do you think? What are they complaining about? Sorry, complaining about the fact that there's going to be an Islamic centre in Golders Green, which is eighty percent uh, Jewish. What well, do you think, Jane? I'm wondering if they're if they're kind of quite fearful about it, and that's why they're resisting it. Whereas, I think what Jeremy said is right. I mean, is is one needed there? Is there the population that can use it? And will it be viable if it's built? And how far would they go to kind of do, not interfaith so much, but to introduce themselves to the Jewish community? I mean, what would their remit be in terms of... Well, they have a commitment to opposing anti-Semitism and extremism, In fact, the Board of Deputies told them that they stand firmly opposed to anti-Muslim hatred from whichever quarter it comes. Both sides, officially, on both sides, are are perfectly happy about the situation. But there are an awful lot of Jews in Golders Green who are not. Mm. I'll just say one of the, the actual, the main things why there is some opposition to this is mainly down to problem with parking and increase in traffic. There's a lot of the the people who will be attending this this mosque won't be from the local area. There will there is a community of Islamisms in in Golders Green, but the majority will be coming from outside. So the main problems that it seems to be for people is increase in traffic and congestion and well, problems with parking. Well, then why are they actually building a mosque in this area? If if that's if that's the case, yeah, it's just it's just it's just converting the hippodrome into it, but um. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, you do have a small community in, in Golders Green, but that's exactly what it is. It's small. Because it could, it could actually be healthy. I mean, if there is so, such a problem with parking, stop buying cars. But I know that's not the answer, really. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a good answer, certainly. 
But, <laughs> I, I mean, this is the first I've heard about it. And it's in the old Hippodrome, did you it's say? It's in the old Hippodrome, so that's is, right. So, has any... I mean, how long has the Hippodrome been empty? Has any other viable projects been put forward that can enhance the I can't the answer that question. I don't know how oh, long it's been. Right. Yeah, yeah, the Hippodrome was used quite recently. It was used as a, as a church. A small congregation every Sunday. And the BBC had it for a little while as well. Okay. And before BBC they, had it many years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before, before they used to do Friday night as music night. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going right off at a tangent because I'm thinking, is it a particularly nice building? Yes, it is. Mm. I will tell you actually that I have worked there many, many, many oh. hundreds of years ago in a pantomime, a professional pantomime. I was uh, one of the soldiers. Was it Aladdin or something? Or? It was Aladdin, yes. Oh. Yeah, okay. And the stars were, for those who may remember, Shaney Wallace and Anthea Askey. So you can see how long ago. Oh, I know dear, she, I've does, heard of Shaney Wallace. Yeah. Shaney Wallace? Yeah, yes. I've heard that name. That, got, does, yeah. that does date you. Anthea <laughs> Askey was Arthur Askey's daughter. <laughs> oh, well, I know Arthur That's before Askey. Harley's time. You yeah. Oh, Arthur yeah, Askey, yeah. Hey, I've been around for plenty. Uh, we've got, we've got a comment on... people. <laughs> yeah. we've, got a, we've got a comment on Facebook. Oh, from, a comment on Facebook. Harry here. He asks... Why are there so many Jewish people against the Islamic Centre in Golders Green? Fair question. How would those Jewish people feel if people are against a synagogue built elsewhere? Well, Excellent question. Yeah, indeed. Well done, yeah. Harry. You said earlier that it was going to be a small mosque, or somebody said that. But in fact, the Hippodrome was a huge theatre. And a huge, uh, in every sense. Oh, we can expect it to be a, a huge mosque. It's, it's the fact that there's a small community in that Golders would, Green. So yeah. actually, is there the population in Golders Green? Is there, is there the demand in Golders Green at the mm. moment? Because most the, of the community who will be visiting will be from outside the area. That mm. is why there are a lot of cries for there'll be an interference to parking and congestion, etc., etc. Mm. Um, and unfortunately... A number of those people, a small number of those people, are using it as a chance to excite some Islamophobia, and it's yeah, um, oh, that's yeah. ridiculous. Well, that, yeah. I mean, so, it's, so that's it's, from all. It's not just from Jews, then it's from everybody yeah. who is well, anti-Muslim. It's ridiculous. Which is absolutely I mean, absurd. Also, how many roads are there in and out of Golders Green? Two. Yeah, I'm just thinking about. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm. Well, indeed, I mean, there may be some. I understand the, the parking problem. Yeah, yeah. I understand the parking problem. But they have they have already said that they intend very much to be pro Jewish, pro everybody. These these this, mm. the, the Muslims who will be yeah Good. in the in yeah. this time will, time will tell. Yeah, and time that's also quite refreshing, isn't it, to hear somebody say how positive they are towards us and you know how they really want to fight against anti. Well, you know, if you they... think about it, the, the the Muslim religion, Islam and Judaism are very similar oh, yeah. in many ways. Yes. Mm -hmm. sure. yeah. Yeah. Yes, there are many commonalities between the two. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if you guys were aware of this. Actually, there was a, a petition that was put out against the the con conversion of the Hippodrome into a mosque, citing to restore the charm, harmony and safety of a family neighbourhood. And unfortunately, there were plenty of comments on it that were, we don't, we don't want them here. Obviously, yeah. using particular yeah. keywords. Using we don't, the word them. Yeah, yeah. Using, yeah, we don't want them here. We don't want Muslims here. We don't want, and that they they don't want to bring the their culture and faith into an area which, mm. well, it, it in London is yeah. all about multicultural, multi. Yeah. That's what they said about the Jews. That's what they said about the Jews hundred years ago. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
But yep. I mean, I don't live in Golders Green, I, so I don't know what it's like to be a part of the Golders Green community. But what's to say that the centre and the mosque doesn't bring something that unites families as mm. well? I mean, it's it is very negative. I mean, and I think it's to do with the hatred of Islam. And I think perhaps that I don't know. There's it smacks of fear to me as well. It does, uh, I think, but surely it's not the the fear of Islam as so much as the fear of they think that for some reason, which is not true, that Mohammedans are anti everybody, which mm, they which mm. they certainly aren't. Mm, mm, mm. Is that not the case? Mm. No, of course not. It, it seems to be one of those things where everyone and and you know it's tr- it's true for for the, for the past however many years now where. When people will start to talk of, of of Islam, and it is one of the you know it preaches peace, 100% completely yeah. preaches peace, and you have unfortunately the small minority of people who who take that to the extreme. Mm-hmm. But that's all people <clears throat> hear, that's all people see. So people then begin to assume that is Islam. Yeah. So that is why you can can imagine there'll be a lot of people who are we don't want them here, we don't want them bringing that sort of hate speech and trying to convert our children and, and neighbours and so on and so forth, when actually in reality, that is very, very, very unlikely to be the case. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, mm. I've never met to this day a Muslim who tries to convert me to the Muslim mm. religion or even tries to talk anti-Semitic words. Mm. I mean, one knows quite a few. Just to, <laughs> yes, just to bring it back to uh, Harry's point from earlier... It's strange how Jews in within Golders Green can pass such comments, yet having been, as as history shows, yep. a re- yeah. religion that of a race of people that have been yeah. persecuted throughout yeah. all of history, and it's why why do, why what are your comments? Why do you think people in in the area might be thinking to completely forgetting? history mm. and choosing to to bring these comments without even thinking well, about what they're saying it's, it's a bit it's nimbyism really isn't it rather than bigotry i or, think it's, or it's probably caused mm. by the the ongoing conflict cold war if you like mm. between israel and and the arab states yeah. around there yeah. and i think that's what is in but the back of the minds of the people who live in golders green particularly the very religious ones, who are convinced that the Islamic people are anti-Israel mm. and therefore anti-Jewish. Mm. I think that's the well, reason for I'm that. I'm sure many of them now, but I mean, where this particular community will be is another matter. Yeah. Um, well, they've made a point of saying they won't be. Well, mm. they've made a. They've very carefully said that. Has it been <laughs> no, approved? Yeah. Um, I didn't well, there are, I, I saw. I drove past. Last week or the week before, and there was there was several people were going in. The the in. plans, yeah, yeah, their plans haven't been approved yet. Okay, no, but nothing to suggest that they won't be. Yeah. I'm afraid that's where we've got to leave the discussion because our time is up. But my thanks to our guests, education coordinator for West London Synagogue Jane Goff, and corporate presenter Jeremy Jacobs. Please do feel free to share your Jewish views with us. You can email studio at jewishviews.co.uk or you can contact us via social media. Find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash jewishviews or on Twitter, we are at jewishviewsuk. 
Well, now it's time for our rabbinic thought for the week, and this time it comes from Rabbi Jonathan Wittenberg from New North London Masorti Synagogue. I'm always shocked reading the beautiful Torah portion of Breshit in the beginning. How quickly we move from creation, from a world where God saw that it was good, to destruction, to the murder of Abel by Cain, and to the point where God says, the whole inclination of the human heart is evil all day long, and where God regrets the fact that man has been made at all. This is taken forward in the portion Noah, where with the coming of the flood, we see the inverse of the previous week's story. Everything perishes, animals, birds, all that flies, every insect, everything which contains living breath and every human upon the face of the earth. All that's left is this bubble of an ark which contains Noah and all future life. We move from creation to destruction. We prefer, I think, not to think of it that way. Certainly when I was at school we sang, the animals came in two by two, hurrah, hurrah. But we didn't really think about the animals that didn't come in two by two, but they were drowned and remained behind. I now can't read this Torah portion without thinking about all that is destroyed. As a lover of nature, as a person who likes to walk in forests, for whom the deer in their sudden appearance reveal the mystery of things, I'm deeply distressed by the way we do indeed destroy our world, how we hover somehow between being the descendants of Adam made in God's image and being of the generation of Noah who contribute to the destruction of the planet. When the flood is over, God says, never again, and makes the sign of the rainbow. And surely Noah, when he steps out of the ark and sees the devastation, also feels in his heart, never again. And we too must say, never again. As we have to care for humanity and give to each other, so we need to give to the world. We need to avoid needless waste. We need to rewild. We need to replant. We need to clean our water. We need to live in the harmony with nature that God intended so that the world never again faces destruction and so that the beauty of creation can be appreciated by our children and our children's children. Just listening to Rabbi Wittenberg there does make me think that one of my favourite pastimes is also just being at one with nature. And by that, I mean just taking a walk in the local park and looking around and thinking it really is true what they say that the best things in life are free. And of course, as Rabbi Wittenberg also says, it's so important for us to not take it for granted and to look after it. So thank you very much indeed to Rabbi Jonathan Wittenberg from New North London, Mazorti Synagogue with our thought for the week. And that's all the Jewish views we have time for. Thank you very much indeed to our guests, to Marie van der Zeel, the Vice President of the Board of Deputies, talking about the Golders Green Mosque and the reaction to it, to Michael Rosen, who was talking about his new book, So They Call Call you Pisha, to Marnie Levy and Samantha Benson from Pages talking about the 2018 Jewish School Awards. Don't forget, for your nominations to get in, you need to go to jewishviews.co.uk and you'll find the link there. And of course, we need to thank all our other contributors and of course you at home for listening. And we mustn't forget the team, including our producers, Harley Baptist and Sue Greenberg. 
You can always listen to the most recent edition of The Jewish Views by visiting our website, jewishviews.co.uk, and you'll also find the facility to listen to all previous episodes as well. The Jewish Views is brought to you in association with The Jewish News and is part recorded at the studios of Jewish Care in London. I'm Phil Dave. Please do join us next time here on The Jewish Views. Goodbye.